0: There's over $500 of prizes to be won at Coastal Leather Supply's first ever build competition. Between October the 1st and December the 5th, you can enter your creations to be judged by expert craftsman Martin Carswell. The theme, pocket-sized. Get creative and test your skills among a fantastic community of crafters. You can even enter multiple creations. Prizes include vegetable tan leather, Palo Santo tools, Vimeo thread and vouchers. Head on over to CoastalLeatherSupply.com.au or visit them on Facebook or Instagram for details on how to join. Australian and New Zealand entries only. Welcome to episode 26 of the Joseph M. Leather podcast. In this episode, I have re- have a returning guest, Jesse from Lost Penguin. Welcome, Jesse.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: No, it's good to have Not you. back. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do like these. Um, I've been wanting to do some more returning episodes because... Yeah, like I mentioned before, when you speak to one person once, you don't hear from them again. It's good to be able to reconnect and see, you know, how you've been going and talk some more leather work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, how how have you been?
1: Like, I'm uh, good. We've been real good. Um, what we what did we figure earlier? It's how long it's been?
0: It has been. Well, episode seven was your first.
1: Maybe six months, six, at least six months, right? I think it was February. Oh, let me just scroll
0: through. It was first of February the episode came out. So the okay, interview so
1: probably would have. Eight months, seven, seven eight months. Yeah. Um, no, it's been good. We've been good. Um, I've been trying to stay busy and we have been busy as far as the leather work goes. And so that... just every day, day to day life, life stuff because keeping us busy and it's not really slowing down and. But it's been a good year so far. It's been good since we talked to you last time.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Because, yeah, when I see you on Instagram, you have that those natural veg tan
1: bracelets or you're on that clicker die. Key, or keychains and bracelets, they, they keep me going nonstop. Yeah. It seems like that's all I ever do anymore. Yeah. And for the most part, it is all I do anymore.
0: Did you end up selling that green tote bag? Because I think I went on your website some weeks ago and it was gone. <laughs>
1: I finally sold the green tote. Yes. That's awesome. It's kind of of a friend of a friend that that bought it and uh, they saw it and they're like, ooh, we got to have that. It was up there forever.
0: I know. I know. (laughs) I know. When I saw it, I was kind of like, wait,
1: did he take this down or did he actually sell it? I don't know. It actually, it finally sold. Yeah. And uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't made any totes in quite some time. I've got, uh, oh, here last week. I actually had a little free time that I stepped stepped off to the side and I cut off, cut out rather, some totes. So I've got uh, two full size totes and then one like mini tote I'm working on right now. Yeah, kind of cut off to the side where I'll, I'll work on a little bit here and there when I get a little bit of free time. But I've got a lot of things I'd like to do in the next few months. It's just finding the time to do it. And,
0: you know, you have all these ideas in your head, but then you're so limited because you're only one person. You know, it's right. uh, can't just if you had employees you'd be like work on this design it's you sort of have to I'll do it all want, your
1: I'm an employee I want an employee so bad I'm just I'm not quite there yet mm-hmm. like I would I'd love to be able to hire someone to come do some of the like the the big uh, business to business or uh, like wholesale orders I'm working on like the keychains and the wristlets and things like that I wish I could hire someone to come help me with that to open up a little more free time for myself to focus on things like the bags and like even the tooling and some other more creative projects. I just, there's, there's not enough time in the day when yeah. you work at day. Job. I was hoping that I would get to the point this year to be able to hire someone at least part time to come help yeah. occasionally. And it's, it it's kind of difficult because my hours of operation in my leather shop don't really start until eight o'clock or later mm-hmm. in the evenings. <clears throat> And you know, for me to hire somebody to do anything, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna want to be overseeing it for some time before I'm comfortable letting them do it on their own. So that that's kind of been a barrier for me is is finding someone that's willing to come do some work a few nights a week, you know, from like eight to eleven or eight to midnight. And at night, it's just kind of awkward hours to work. And you know, if I could find someone that that would be willing to do that and learn what I need them to to know to do it efficiently. Then they, I would be able to say, "Hey, you come to the shop when it's convenient for you, not necessarily at night." When I can trust them to do the job yeah. without supervision, it's just finding someone with the time to do it, like put that time in to learn it and then be able to do it on their own.
0: Yeah. So how did you how did you get all those businesses? Like is it just through repute like word of mouth or like, how long have you been doing that for? Cause I tried to do it and it's hard like it's hard work. Like, you know, you have to factor in like some businesses they're on a budget, they don't wanna spend you know, they don't want
1: Oh sure, sure. And, and you know, it looks like I'm doing a ton of stuff, but really I've only got the uh, four four of those wholesale accounts that I make the private label items for mm-hmm. um, but it's two of them have so much work for me they keep me really busy so I'm kind of feel like I'm working on them on stock um, but again I mean it looks like I'm super busy all the time based on yeah. like what I'm putting and and what mm-hmm. I'm knocking out but um, and I feel like I'm staying you know moderately busy
2: yeah
1: but yeah, I don't have a ton of, of big clients that are ordering those hundreds or thousands of pieces all the time. I've, I've got a small handful of really quality clients that are consistent in their ordering, which helps a lot. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not out there trying to hustle to to make the sales and, and find new clients. Yeah, I've got the, I just try to keep all I got to worry about is keeping those few clients I have happy.
0: <laughs> yeah. I noticed that, like, you did that, the um, the tall, tall uh, watch strap that came out really nice. Yeah, thank you. I, I asked this question on the, like, when I spoke to Harry and Tan about the history of tooling. Do you know much, like, what's the history, do you know much about the history behind it, or?
1: Man, I don't. Probably what you were asking is more along the lines of, like, the Western-style, tooling right like yeah. on saddle and horse and tack and more what most would like look at and say that's that's like cowboy stuff right
2: yeah
1: where i live in north texas there there are a handful of very large cattle ranches in in the area and in this area there's a lot of what you call a working cowboy and a working cowboy is just that An individual who goes and works on a ranch, and he's on horseback all day, working cattle, like living the cowboy dream. And there's a a very unique thing about cowboys, like the, the, the real working cowboys. The ones that aren't married and don't have a lot of responsibility are pretty notorious about buying, selling, and trading. And they're known to spend a little extra money on something that looks fancy, whether that it's a saddle or leggings or spurs or a bit for the horse. They like pretty things, right? They want, they want these pretty things, these pieces of art. And whether it's silversmithing on the bits and spurs or tooling on a saddle or spur straps or whatever it may be, like everybody wants to be a little bit unique, right? And if you can have a pretty piece of leather, a pretty piece of leather almost 100% of the time is better than a non-pretty piece of leather, right? It's called testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> That's the word I've been looking for. Yeah. You nailed it with that one. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wants to be a cowboy. Everybody, every man yeah. in their, at one point in their life wants when, to be a cowboy. When right? you mentioned like, it. The idea of... like. I'm 35 years old, and some days I think to myself, like, to be on horseback, like, out in the mountains chasing cows right now. I would choose that over so many things. And, like, every little boy at some point wants to be a cowboy. Everybody wants to be a cowboy at least once. Hmm. What is the purpose of the Spurs? Like, the the actual function of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just to give a little nudge to your horse while you're okay. riding. Yeah. So like um, like where you sit on the horse, your spurs kind of just give, not really a jab. That sounds pretty kind of aggressive, but just a nudge to like, it's a way to talk to your horse with your feet versus verbally. Anyone on a horse is going to communicate with their horse like through their legs, through their feet, and through their the reins and the mouth and the hands and the way that they move with the, the animal. And that's, um, the spurs just give you that extension to be able to spin to them a little better. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I, I do my leather work in the shed and when it gets dark, like when it gets dark, it, it's so hard to see. So sort of at night time, I don't really get to work on leather work. So sort of during the daylight hours and, um, what's, what's your lighting setup in because, you know, it's it something like it gets quite hard at night time because you can't see the, you know, where you, the pricking irons are going because of the shadows and, is it easy to work where you where you are? Yeah,
1: my, my, my shop is, is is set up pretty well, and um, the shop I'm in now because I kind of renovated it last year, and I've got just regular lighting that's in there, but then I have some auxiliary lighting in there as well, yeah. like some some LED, not fl- fluorescent lights, but like the long LED lights that I have hanging in there, like over like my tooling block if I'm doing tooling, but then like over my main work table, my four by four foot by eight foot work table, I've got a big light over the top of it. So I've got a good light. And uh, before we moved to this house where I did have this dedicated space, like an actual workshop, I worked in an extra room and I would run into the same thing. Like lighting would be difficult because it was just generic, like home, like the lights in your house because it was an extra bedroom. So. I struggled with that a little bit there, but it's not so much an issue now because I have decent, decent, decent lighting in there to kind of keep everything lit up. Yeah. I'd like it to be better, but it, it works well enough for now.
0: Yeah. You got a nice bench in the middle, like a big, long.
1: Um, yeah. My, my central work table. And that's something that I've, I'd wanted for years. So it's, it's four foot by eight foot. It's, going to grab my mouse here while we're talking and plug that into the old googles um four foot by eight foot <laughs> we'll we'll uh i'm gonna do a conversion is it feet to meters or meters to feet
0: uh yeah feet to me uh, well how, how tall are you in real life uh about six foot yeah okay
1: Okay, let's
2: see.
0: Yeah, I'm 5'11", so not the 6 foot. I know, it's weird, because I'd love to be able to see, like, the people who are interviewing in real life, what they look like, like, how tall they are, because everyone's, <laughs> sure. everyone's equal height, like, because they're all sitting down.
1: Alright, so, my my central work table would be 1.2 meters. Wait, that's not right.
0: That, that's just where you work, like, you do your little area
1: so 1.2 meters by 2.4 meters that's my central work table so mm-hmm. i have one big work table in the middle of my shop and it's about oh a little over waist height
2: mm-hmm.
1: so ba- basically for for other leather workers if you're not on the uh, beautiful standard system so what is it one, one 1.2 1.2 by 2 so this little conversion chart on Google just told me 1.2 meters by 2.4 meters that's a pretty uh, long bench yeah it's, it's a good size so like <clears throat> the, the greatest thing about that size for me would be that one whole side of leather you can roll yeah. out on Yeah. and it's going to be big enough to put the whole side of leather on so I'm able to uh, when I get a new side of leather in I can roll the whole thing out there the whole thing is going to lay flat. I can put straight edges on there if I need to do any kind of strap cutting. But also, it gives me a, a way to inspect the side of leather. Yeah. If there's any, you know, blemishes I need to work around or anything like that. Are and you that's. F- and it's on it's on wheels, or casters, so I can move it around in the shop if I need to open up room, one way or another. Well, I used a good old floor for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. You know, I, I did that at our last house. For, yeah. I, I did that for 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, seven years. I did that for seven years. Yeah. Like, when my leather would come in, I would roll it out on the floor, crawling around on my hands and knees. <laughs> With my, with my long straight edges, like with a pencil, you know, I'd go through there and mark it and then I'd have a little cutting mat, like a small cutting mat that I would like stick underneath it and I'd cut and I'd move the mat underneath it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saying like, um, for the longest time, like all I wanted was that big work table. And, and when I, the, the four by eights kind of standard here because a piece of plywood, Does that, like, when you go to, like, a a home improvement store, Mm -hmm. you have, like, a home Depot? like, we have home Depot here. So, like, your home improvement store, like, the big sheets of plywood. Yeah. You you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, those here are four foot by eight foot. So, Mm -hmm. it's basically one sheet of plywood. It's, It's just, it's an easy metric here to be able to go buy your piece of plywood, throw it on top of the table, you've got your work surface, you're good to go. Four foot by eight foot, awesome. And for the longest time, that's all I wanted. I only wanted a workspace big enough to put that one big table in there so I could do exactly that. Like, roll my sides out and do the work and, instead of having to roll them out on the floor and do it. And it was, when I got it, I was like, my life changed. <laughs> Just yeah. being able to, and And now it's it's really great now because I mean that's my central workstation so like you know more than half of my work is done on that table. Yeah,
0: I know it's it's not too bad when you were using panels and all that, but when you start getting up to the sides and all that, it's just you need like a longer desk, like
1: um. Well, sure, and yeah, that's the difference, like um. And and I was thinking about that too earlier today when I was thinking about our conversation and things. Is, um, you know, sometimes I I wish to myself that I would have kind of focused on like the small leather goods like you did, right? Because you don't need a giant dedicated space to do a lot of like the wallet like wallet work. You don't need a huge space to do that, right? Mm. You don't need you don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need a lot of machinery. Uh, you don't need a lot of storage space and things like that. And and that's kind of the difference in kind of what I do because the, the products that I make are so varied that I, I do need the sewing machines. I do need the splitter. I need the, the clicker and like the foot press. So I need all this extra space to do that. And then sometimes I look at that and I think, man, I should have just stuck with making my one-off wallets where I could just have, like a little table off in the corner and just focus on cutting my wallets and my hand stitching. And I would save so much space. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, it's interesting because I'm, um, I was sort of thinking sim, like similar, but the opposite to you where it's like good to have a sewing machine because, um, cause with items like, cause so, someone did a message me and they wanted like a tote bag. And because I hand stitched, like I've, I've only, I think I've already done one tote bag before.
1: Hey man, some of those bags you've been making here lately. <laughs> no. Okay. So I'm sorry to like interrupt what, what you were saying there, but let me pull this up. Let me, let me pull your, your Instagram up here and look back on some of this stuff. That handbag. Well, that took ages that, to do. And that was like Philip jury's
0: back. But, <laughs> But um, because I did I did like a prototype first, and then I did that one because I wanted to make it out of that particular. So is,
1: is this one in the darker leather? Was that your prototype? No, that was the blue one. The blue one was the prototype. Yeah. Did you have pictures of that one?
0: Yeah, but they're pretty. When I, when I look back on it, it's um, I did it. I did it. The the lighting was pretty bad on it actually. Um,
1: but yeah. Oh, so the, maybe that's. Maybe that's the one I'm looking at I was looking at there that was uh the same style. Yeah, it was a dark
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's like that a was blue Yeah, that was the prototype. Like a, like a dark
1: navy blue. Yeah. What that bag is awesome. When you posted those, <laughs> I saw those. He hand stitched those. I know that he did. And it took him forever. I don't know, the pressure
0: was uh, quite intense
1: and um, Sure. Yeah. I mean it, there's so many so many aspects to what we do, right? Like there are so many different facets and you're right. Like you can, with the, like a luxury leather good, you can spend weeks on a product. And like you said, it's gotta be perfect. That's a lot of stress, right? Like it's a lot of time. And like when you mess up that one little spot, that's going to drive you crazy. Are you going to start over? Or are you going to finish the bag? Yeah, I and think, yeah, that's what... often, and, and you know, I know there there are people out there that are making their careers off doing that particular kind of work, and they do really good at it, but I don't know, like,
0: well, that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not knocking anyone who does. Oh, that, that sure. was just. No, I um, didn't think that. Yeah, at all. That, that like my experience of doing it. I was thinking, I can see why people like think like. I can understand why people like things that are unlined now because there's something beautiful about it not being, you know, solid to the best. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's um. Well, I don't like lining. You don't like it.
1: Well, I mean, I like I like it. I like it for like wallets and all that. Well, not not not. I don't mean leather lining. I mean a fabric lining or okay. anything else like a leather line product because a lot of those totes I do, I've done some in the past. So I do like a canvas lining in there. Like I'll do like the large tote and I'll do a, a canvas liner in it and it looks really nice. And I love seeing these people that are building these totes and they've got these really cool pattern, uh, like fabric liners in there with the pockets and everything integrated in there. And they're beautiful. They look great. They really do. And, but I don't like lining because that's something that liner is not going to last as long as the bag yeah in in most cases like if you've got if if i build a tote and i put a liner in it even if i build it like great which i'm not super versed in doing liners fabric liners um you know it'll probably last a while but the chances of of, of wearing out are pretty good right hmm. so when i build when I, like, my totes, it's no new design. It's nothing, I did not pioneer the design of the totes that I build, you know. But the reason I like that style so much is that it's one large piece of leather that's yeah. folded in half. And your stitch lines are on your corners and on the sides. So when you, when you load that bag up with weight, where's all the weight distributed at? Directly on the bottom of the bag, the one piece of leather. It's not pushing on stitch or any kind of seams unless you've just got a completely stuffed full that it's trying to blow up, you know. Um, basically, what I'm trying to get at is like those totes and, and bags that I build, I like to look at it as how can I build it where there are the, the least amount of opportunities of a failure.
2: Yeah.
0: Or like a spillage. And, like if you spill, you know red cordial or whatever, in know, a, a, yeah. a, a linen, um, I don't know, lined bag. It's kind of like, oh, I guess the same yeah. with leather. I guess if you stain it, it's...
1: I, I just think when I do like a tote or a bag or something, a lot of them that I build look very, uh, I would say, rustic and maybe not very, not very uh, sophisticated in design or style. And that's because I'm not trying to overthink it, right? Like I'm just trying to make a functional bag that's gonna last a really, really long time. Yeah. The, f- the fewer amount of seams I can put in it, the fewer areas of failure. Like you've got a better chance of blowing a seam out than blowing a hole through the bottom of your five six ounce leather. Yeah, and and I say I say all that to say, like when it comes to a liner, It's most people that spend money on a product when it wears something wears out, most people aren't going to go through the time to get it fixed, right? So it's either going to start looking worse and worse and worse, or it's going to go to the back of the closet and not get used, Mm -hmm. right? The way you put liners in bags, like a fabric liner, like a non-leather liner, most of the time, it's going to be a little difficult to repair that product, which if it's difficult to repair the product, it's probably going to be expensive to repair the product. And it's not something I want to deal with, with my customers, like having to bring in to like repair a liner or say, Hey, you know, I'm going to have to charge you all this money to repair this when I can leave a tote unlined and it's going to serve its function just as well as a line bag. Yeah. Yeah. It's and- just, it's not going to look as refined and sophisticated. as like a super nice, like beautifully lined, like, Fabric or a textile line bag, or
2: mm. I don't know. Yeah, um,
0: and that's one thing I was thinking is like it'd be good to have a sewing machine just to to be able to lower the prices.
1: Oh yeah, because but when, when I got when I got my big sewing machine, and I think we talked about this on the last podcast. Was you know that was a big kind of turning point for me. Is I had a smaller machine that would do some smaller work, but when when I started building a bigger product that I needed a bigger machine, like it was a turning point for me that was, I've got to spend this money to get this piece of machinery or equipment, the sewing machine to allow me to do this. Cause I'm not going to be able to make money making this product and hand stitching it. Yeah. And, and that's just an un, you know, that's, that's just, that's the truth of it. And unless you have a product and an audience that's willing to spend that luxury price for the product that takes a week to build or hand stitch or whatever, it's hard to, and I'm sure there are plenty of people that would disagree with me on that. But for the product that I make, I can't, I don't have a market for my product and I don't have the time to sit down and stitch a single tote and try to sell it for, you know, Four or five times what I sell them for now.
0: Oh yeah, and you have to get like it's a bit of um, uh, what's the word? Um, you know when I was when I was making that tote, I had to like had this pole and I had like sh- um, tiger thread connected to a oh, clipper yeah. to like hold it on like a yeah, different like, angle. Like, straight yeah. Because um, yeah. This I eventually want to try and do yeah. some. I eventually want to try and do some video ones and stick them on YouTube. So, yep. and um, I'm trying to work out a process, because I think I need a bit of a better webcam.
1: So,
2: yeah.
1: You're talking to the wrong guy there, man. I don't have a clue when it comes to any kind of video or editing.
0: No, that's what
1: uh, I'm completely, I'm out of the loop on that. Yeah. But, uh, I did, I, I did a, a how-to video on YouTube. Bro, do you do you not follow my YouTube channel? Do you have YouTube? <laughs> Let me find it. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a ton of videos up. Do you? I even have I've got a how to video. How to make a shave bag. Is it just called Lost Penguin? Yeah. Lost Penguin Love. Now I'm, I'm I'm being very facetious on on making saying to follow me, but um
0: No, we'll subscribe. i did I draw Wow, you got, a, really... you got more subscribers than me. I got like how do I? I got like 140. I didn't know I had that many. Ah. You got 100. Yeah, you got 161. I,
1: sh- I should be getting the the plaque from YouTube soon, huh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you need to. Uh, oh, you, you, but your last See? video was one year ago. You got a. Oh, yeah.
1: Didn't post anything a long time. So like I did the. Uh, Where's subscribe? Know, I'm trying to a video doing how to make a shade bag. I thought I was that was going to be my attempt at, uh, jumping into Sell the YouTube's and- how to videos and stuff like everybody's doing now because like splicing all the video, cause I did it all on my phone. Like I recorded everything on my phone and like splicing. What starts with it? premium American made material? Like trying to do the editing and everything was so much work. Mm. And like what if, Finally got that done, and doing the uh, um, like uploading it took forever, and it took me like five or six attempts to do it. Yeah. But by the time I finally got it done, I was like, "No, I'm out." Yeah, um But when I did when I did this video, it was like the only video on YouTube that like really did like a complete walkthrough of the shave bags. So yeah. I asked it just. I
0: fell on deaf ears, I guess. You need a um. We well, still got eight hundred and thirty views on that video. Um, it, oh,
1: I didn't. Anyway? Well, I mean, I figure I, I. really thought it would get a lot of traction because.
0: Well, that's the problem with social media is that you think you're gonna like go viral, and it's like a slot machine, pretty much. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty bad in that in that regards, but. You gotta. You have to have you have to you have to have your camera the other way. It can't
1: be, vertical, um. It's funny, though, but if you'll look, the part one has 800 views, but part two has 270. So, it's like they didn't even, like, follow all the way through, like, the most important parts of making the bag.
0: Yeah, I know. Part one's... So like, the one...
1: zipper and flipping it inside out.
0: Part one's always do. Yeah, well, I got... um, I've, I've posted some, like, videos, um, and I've sort of... I've posted more because... People keep people start subscribing and it's like wow like I actually feel like wow I, yeah I've got 145 subscribers. Um, yeah I've just I'm I posted one video and people just kept subscribing so I was like okay people actually like videos and yeah my biggest one is making a needle making a leather needle case that has 3,500 3, views on it. Thanks. Nice. And uh, it was funny because I got five thumbs down, <laughs> <laughs> so I got seventy-five thumbs up and five. It's like heartbroken. <laughs> it's funny, like.
1: Oh, it looks your your page looks good though.
0: Five thumbs. You've uploaded a lot of stuff, huh? Five thumbs down. I can't believe it. it's like the internet does not like me.
1: Wait a minute. Who's this? Am I still sharing my screen? Oh wait, where are
0: you? Oh, I can't even see.
1: Who's this mustachioed man? Oh yeah, that was like
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was like November. Just Nice. What did he say? I think he said for me to do it and I, I think I did it uh I think I started it like the twelfth of November or something. Something ridiculous. Like I wasn't actually from the first to the But yeah, it's awkward like it's awkward putting your face on camera. I won't I won't admit that. I mean I will admit that.
1: Um, so are you are you getting all the money from now, all the advertisement money? No, you need like a thousand subscribers for that. <laughs> what? I thought you I thought you started getting some kickbacks as soon as they started putting ads on your stuff. I think you need like a thousand subscribers, and well, um, no, it looks good, man. I think it looks real good.
0: Yeah, it's um, I just, the I never really have the patience for it. Oh, or yeah, it's, it's so much effort, like, that goes into it, you know, when you, you can... Is this just, just audio
1: or... A, or a, okay, I was say, is it the audio or the video of the podcast? It's just the audio.
0: I know, it is a lot of effort that goes into it. Well, I, oh, I, just, yeah. I try and just make it as minimal as possible because I can't be bothered. Yeah. I, because I, I do a, the editing for my podcast, like, a lot longer than the videos. <laughs> like, that... <laughs> um, but, oh, well. It's, um... Yeah, I'll see how it goes. Yeah, our podcast, because I started uploading the podcast to the YouTube channel, but then I was like, oh, I'll just keep it on Spotify instead. But I I eventually want to do video, like record the videos of the podcast and stick them on YouTube just so... Yeah, you know, I think,
1: I do think you get a lot more out of it if you have time to sit down and watch it. Yeah. And I think that's why podcasts have done so well in the past two years is it's a good passive thing because you can be busy doing something. You don't have to sit to watch and like focus on it the whole time. Yeah. But at the same time, I like to be able to watch people in the interview, like engaging in their mannerisms and things like that.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. I know. It's, it's a shame that I don't have a studio. I can invite people into it's, um,
2: going to
0: but you know, slowly get there, I guess. One, one
1: step at a time,
0: man. Yeah. One step at a time. So, how did you get your t-shirts done? Because, And I'm still waiting uh, for mine to arrive. <laughs> dude, like... I
1: wanted to wear it on this interview, but... Well, let me check it while we're talking, see if there's been any updates. Yeah, man, it's crazy. And then after talking to you, uh, I guess, the other day about uh, the way they've got everything held up, I mean, it makes sense. I can't imagine they've got it held up for any kind of uh, customs or anything. Yeah, shipping was crazy, man. Like, oh, here it is. Wait, yeah, um, when did you ship it? First, just like the second or third time I've ever shipped anything international. Yeah. Yeah, the last update was still September 26th. Your package is moving within the USPS network and is on track to be delivered to its final destination. You may not be getting a t-shirt. <laughs> the way it's looking right now, and if it's the wrong size, <laughs> I hope not.
0: No, it'll be, no, it'll be fine. I it's,
1: it's probably that that ten ounce gold bar I put in there as a gift yeah. that's got it. Help,
0: yeah, you know, <laughs> Well, someone's stolen it and it's me. I'll get it in the package, will be ripped open, and it's gone.
1: Yeah, you'll be you'll be walking down the sidewalk one day in town and see somebody wearing. <laughs> T-shirts, and you'll know because <laughs> you're the only person I've ever sent a T-shirt to in Australia.
0: Well, that's actually, be like, bro,
2: you
1: stole my shirt.
0: That's actually a good point, because so you've never shipped them international?
1: Mm-hmm. I never have, just because it's, it's I don't sell enough stuff through my website as it is here locally. You should have. So I never it. to go through the headache of like setting up all the international shipping and everything. So.
0: You should have signed it, and I could have resold it ah, for like signed by. <laughs>
1: you, you you could get like a whopping twenty dollars for it.
0: <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> well, I'm look. Well, summer's coming up, so I'm looking forward to be able to wear it, like when I'm doing leather work and it's hot. And
1: so. Uh, it's so weird. It's so weird to me that your summer's coming and we're just making our way into fall and winter.
0: Yeah, well, it is a dream of mine to have a white Christmas in America, so or Europe. We had a,
1: we had a pretty, pretty, we had a huge blizzard here last year. And I actually, guess that was like in January or February. Crazy here in Texas. Crazy.
0: That's what I was actually meant to say to you when I, I when I saw that happened to you. I literally thought, like, when we when I re have another episode with you, I'm gonna say this to you. You need to change your name from Lost Penguin now because, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like when I saw that happen, I was like, "You got to change your name now because it was the Penguins lost in Texas." Because I don't know.
1: I think, I think I made some little jokes when we got that big blizzard about that. Like, ah, not so lost anymore. Yeah. No, that it was wild. We had a we had a real big blizzard too. Back in 2009 here in Texas this part like North Texas mm-hmm. it was pretty wild and this one we got this year was pretty it, it wasn't as bad as the one in 2009 but uh, it was worse because so many people were losing power for no reason but uh, I'm gonna share my screen again and show you yeah one of my favorite one of my favorite things from the blizzard this year
0: what yeah what do you do in that sort of weather like, cause you can't go outside. Like.
1: Stay home and you don't go to work. That's how that works out. It's because in Texas, the, uh, our, like our infrastructure is not, or not so much our infrastructure, but like our highway systems aren't made for this kind of weather, so they can't, like the roads and the travel become so dangerous.
0: Yeah, I think it was. It's it's sort of similar in where I live, and you know the roads might be a bit dodgy, and everyone just crashes into each
1: other because we're just not used to. The- yeah, yeah. It's and like- that's that's how it's here. Like it just it becomes a safety issue with people on the road. Yeah. Right? Now there was one picture I took while we were kind of standing outside. I was doing a live video, and in the picture, like I I actually had ice in my mustache. Like, right underneath my nose, I was getting ice building up on my mustache. It looked so cool. Is that on Instagram? Yeah, it's from a while. Uh, Well, I mean, when was that?
0: That
1: was was February? I can't remember what month it was. It was after we spoke. Yeah. So, it must have been, like, mid-late February. Let's see if it has a date here. Yeah, February 20th is when I posted the video. So, late February. I posted a series of them there, a series of pictures, but kind of that close-up of my face there, I have a little bit of ice on my forehead, and then my mustache, it's like my mustache is the only, my mustache is my only facial hair that's not turning gray yet, Yeah. so in the picture, it just looks like my mustache is going gray with the rest of everything, but it wasn't, it was ice. What's it, what's it feel like? No, I mean, I couldn't really tell it was there. No. I just happened, I just happened to see it when I took the video of yeah. myself. I know, it's like when you yeah. see those old explorers, like, up in
0: Antarctica. Or, yeah. And they're yeah. just like, everything's icy over their beard. Mm-hmm. What was your, how did your dog find the snow?
1: Yep. She loved it. Our dog loved the snow. It was yeah. pretty crazy. Like, she had a heyday in it.
0: Yeah. Was it, was it much snow? Like, or was it a fair bit? Like, you can make snowmen out of it and... Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, it was... I think we ended up getting close to a foot of snow. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it was well over, like, eight eight or nine inches. Yeah. And it was over, like, two or three days that it snowed, like, nonstop. It was It was a really dry snow. Yeah. So it didn't... Uh, I don't know. It was real powdery. Yeah. So, um... What's what's your next your next big project? You did the leather work. Yeah, and and leather work. Like, what's your next big project? Because I know you you did the tote not long after we talked the first time. Yeah, that was that was a big hype. That was to get
0: that tote done.
1: Yeah, um, done any more since then?
0: Any more totes? Uh huh. No, just 'cause, um. Because I've done a lot more... A lot of female bags lately. Like, uh... Tote and... Those bags. And it's like, I can't really... I can't use them. Like... So I've been wanting to do some more male stuff. So I have some... Ideas in the works of some... Some duffel bags and... And all that. Um, Yeah, I I have a lot of... I have a lot that I've been thinking... I've been thinking about things too much. Like, you know when you think... I'm more of a very procrastination person. Like, I'll... I really examine things and you sort of won't get anywhere but um lately I was thinking I need to I need to get some more colors just to try some more things out. I ordered some uh, glue from Belt Production and they were very fortunate enough they throw like a bunch of scraps in their leather like they throw a bunch of scraps in so you get to feel the different leathers so um yeah I'm, I'm in the process of getting some more colors and different leather and trying out some but it's hard it's, it's hard because like our small goods like wallets are they dying or not
1: you know it's um uh, it's... i don't think so man because yeah. it it's it's just like everything else like when the apple watch came out and got really popular people started thinking that the watches were about like to die right yeah. i'm real i love watches It's one thing that it's it's a really bad thing for me because it's they're very expensive and I can't afford them, but I want them all. Yeah, right. So I, I follow a lot of that industry, like Swiss watches and high end watches and stuff like that. And when it came to that, when that well, really when that the iPhone came out, there was a lot of discussion like, is the watch industry dying because we all have we have our you know. We got a clock right here. Who needs a watch on their hand when you've got your mm. phone in your pocket? Well, and then when the Apple Watch came out, people were like, This is totally gonna kill the watch the watch industry because everywhere you look, someone wears an Apple Watch. Like almost everyone I know wears an Apple Watch. But it, it hasn't because there are still people that want the like the, the artisanal made goods, they still want the handmade items, they still want the high end items. I mean Men, there are going to be men out there that are always going to be willing to pay a lot of money for a really nicely made wallet to carry their goods.
2: Mm.
1: Like, I, I don't, I don't think that artisanal market is dying, at, or high end luxury items, especially because people are always going to want to spend a little extra money for something a little nicer than everybody else has. Mm-hmm.
0: That's interesting that you're into watches because I tried to get into watches. Like I got my, I I bought this, I bought this cheap watch and I just, I wanted the one because I just wanted a basic screen, like a basic watch face and then just take the watch strap off and then make my own. Yeah. And, um, when I started wearing it, I, I really enjoyed having to look at it compared to looking at my phone and it felt like, and it felt like I could keep track of time a lot
1: easier. It's engaging, yeah. So, so there's, it's, it's crazy you say that keep it, keep being able to keep track of time better. So me looking at a watch face, I can just glance at my watch, say, for example, during my day job when I, I get an hour lunch break. So I can, whenever I leave for my lunch break, I can glance down at my watch and see where, what time it is. And I can like gauge my time throughout my break better mm-hmm. by looking like because in my head it's breaking breaking it into like a pie chart sort of you know yeah. versus like like if i look and see what time it literally is on the digital so like right now mine says seven forty seven yeah i know that i have 13 minutes until eight o'clock right yeah <laughs> right. yeah yes yeah yeah um I know I have 13 minutes, but if I look at my watch face, I see the incremental time on, yeah. you know, analog. Mm-hmm. It's it's maybe it's a weird thing with me, but I I I keep track of time like uh, mentally better looking at that versus just pulling out and seeing what time it is. I know if that makes. Sense I, I no,
0: I I literally thought of the I'm wearing my watch now. It needs a new battery. It's not even working. <laughs> but um. No, I literally thought the exact same thing. It felt like I had more time when I looked at my watch face, and it kind of reminded me when I was in school, like when you in school you had the like the you had to look at the clock, yeah, and you sort of had to use your mind to work it out. Whereas like when you look at your phone, it's like oh, it just tells you it's eleven eighteen a.m. for me. So it's like whereas a what yeah, with a watch, it felt like you. Yeah, I know, I know, I know exactly what you meant. Like, if you have an appointment, it feels like you're running, uh, you're on time, with a yeah. uh,
1: with a watch. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and if, if you've got thirty minutes until your appointment to be there, you look at it, and in my head, I, I can, I can mentally prepare those thirty minutes without looking at the watch, better than like looking at my phone and seeing that it's, you know, seven thirty, and I know I have somewhere to be at eight thirty.
2: Mhm.
1: It's it's hard to explain. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But
0: yeah. How does the um? Because you don't have a leather band on your watch. How does the the chinks go as
1: opposed so, to the? I like I like a metal watch strap in the summertime because I I'll sweat. Yeah. And if I if I sweat too much on a watch band, it'll I'll break out real bad on my wrist. And then I can't wear my watch for a while, and that drives me crazy not wearing a watch. So when it, the weather gets cooler, I'll put a leather strap on my watch, and I'll wear a leather strap for the winter, like the cooler months, fall and winter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It just uh, I won't, I'm won't. i not as susceptible to like sweating around there and breaking out on my wrist. So I've got a couple leather straps that I've made that I, I will swap out in the wintertime. One's an ostrich. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a like a whiskey color, like a light whiskey color ostrich. And then my other one is a uh, beaver tail. And it's my favorite. Yeah. Have you, have you seen beaver tail? No. Oh, it's all, it's, it's an incredible leather. I'm going to show you a screen. Yeah. Just Google it. Just Google it real quick. Beaver tail leather. And it's got a really cool, I think you'll really like it. If you like that uh, Russian leather. Oh yeah. It's got a really, really cool like pattern texture to it. Yeah. And it's it's a hundred percent natural texture from the tail. And the beaver the beaver tail leather is incredibly durable.
2: Yeah.
1: But the worst part about it is it's not very big, so you can't make real big items out of it. So you'll see uh, a lot of a lot of knife sheath makers, like high end knife sheath makers use a lot of beaver tail. I'm starting to see more watch straps. But uh it's a really cool leather man. Yeah. Y'all had beaver? I don't think we or Is did, that a, no. a North America North America thing,
0: right? I think it might be. It kinda looks like snakeskin, like a...
1: A little bit. But yeah, but the uh the texture's really cool and the the vegetable tan tells like just the feeling of it is really it's, it's it's so different from anything else I've ever used. Yeah. Does it can you burnish it? Oh yeah, it'll take a really nice burnish.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the the one thing that I didn't like about it when I did my watch strap is because I hand stitched my watch straps because of those those crevices. Oh yeah. And the like the texture of the leather, like the stitch line it's hard to keep it looking straight because, like, some of those stitches will want to kind of fall in yeah. where those little like dips are in the texture. So it doesn't the the hand stitching doesn't look great on it, but the ta- I mean, just the leather overall is really cool.
0: Yeah, I just did a good quick search. Yeah, so beavers don't live in they're not in Australia. They they are they live in ponds and rivers and lakes in North America and Europe. We don't have any. It would probably be class. It probably classes as an, as an exotic skin if you were to get it into Australia.
1: Oh, for you, yeah. So that would probably. You'd, you'd probably need a you know. Of... You know what? When I sent you your T-shirt, I almost put in. I grabbed one. I've got those keychains with that, like the alligator on one side. Yeah, yeah. yeah they I, I grabbed one, and I threw it in in the package, and then I got to thinking about. it. I was like, oh, that's like an exotic leather. I won't even know where to start on the customs and stuff. And like, like what if it went through and you got in a lot of trouble? I feel really bad. So I didn't put it in there. I'm sorry.
0: No, so good. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I,
1: didn't, I, was, I didn't know how to the forms.
0: I was actually talking to, um, I actually had an opportunity to buy some of that original Russian leather from like the 1786. And I was sort of worried about the exact same thing about the whole, because Australia has like a real strict biosecurity, like, um, and yeah. I, I spoke to some la- a lady, and she was actually really nice. We we started talking, and um, she said about how. She said like it wouldn't be class because it was reindeer, like so reindeer and calf that doesn't matter. Exotic skins are they're they're very um per like you need permits and all that. I also found out from a um. With a kangaroo you need a permit to send that out of Australia?
1: To export it?
0: Yeah. So, like, if you... So, I said to her, like, so, if I sell a wallet made out of kangaroo, you need a yeah. permit to send that out, which is a bit disappointing. Well, you can get one pretty easy, she said. Like, you can get one for six months and all that. But kangaroo leather is, is such an amazing leather. Like, it's it's real strong it's, like, oh it's nice and thin, like my, my watch straps lined with kangaroo because it's like it's, it's such a good lining material. And Our second sponsor of this episode is Artisan Sun. Artisan Sun Leather Care products were created for crafters in mind, not corporate greed. The son of all the artisans who came before him, Artisan Sun Australian premium wax-based products handcrafted using all natural ingredients. Their top-selling product is their leather conditioner, Unlike other leather conditioners, Artisan Sun Leather Conditioner is wax-based, made the old-fashioned way, to ensure your leathers stay looking good for generations to come. Artisan Sun also has its signature leather heritage oil, which is ideal for rehydrating dry leather and is an excellent tool for using pre and during leather dyeing. Got dirty leather, Artisan Sun also has a range of cleaning solutions, from genuine horsehair brushes to natural oil-free leather soap. Protecting metal from surface rust, Artisan Sun Metal Conditioner keeps metal protected from oxidation, all natural and petroleum-free. They also stock fabric wax, wood conditioner, and the Heritage Leather Care Kit, containing some of their well-known products to clean, hydrate, seal, and protect your leather goods. Check out their products which have seen generations of use at www.artisansun.com. So, I've
1: I've got some kangaroo in the shop. I do A while back, yeah, the... I've got that lady's wallet that I made. It's like a snap, long woman's wallet, and I did the interior with it. It's all kangaroo. Did you? Um, wow. A veg stand. I really like it. It's the first time I've used it. I've always heard really cool things about it and great things about it, but it's the first time actually using it. I've got a natural veg and like a finished, uh, like a russet brown color. Where do, where I haven't you, used any.
0: Where'd you get it from? Weaver they stock kangaroo wow the, the the there's a there's a shop nearby me actually um they they stock kangaroo and it's real high quality kangaroo like it's really really good um but they only come in like limited colors like you know dark brown black um yeah. like natural and sort of a lightish brown let me look at weaver. How is some um,
1: it burnishes really easy as well? The camera yeah, room. yeah I did, Well, I did I didn't burnish I just burnished a little bit like uh, some of the interior Pocket parts. Yeah, uh, Okay. No, I can't It's tough. I mean, it's expensive. I think it was like 75 or 80 bucks For the side and the I mean, it wasn't real big.
0: No, it's tiny. I
1: mean, make Maybe three square feet. Yeah, four max.
0: Have you have you used shell quarter van?
1: I've never I've never used any shell. Um, no, it's kind of those things. I don't do a lot of like small leather goods. Yeah, so I couldn't really justify spending that much money. Yeah, for a small piece of leather or something, I'm really not gonna utilize into a product that I'm very good at making. Yeah. You no.
0: Know? No, that's
1: fair enough. I mean, I'd, I'd like to get some just to kind of see what the hubbub's all about. You know, like why everybody loves it so much. I mean, I know I know why everybody loves it and what's supposed to make it so great, but I've never actually put hands on any before, so yeah. I can't say one way or the other.
0: Yeah, I used some recently, and I had um, when belts. They sent me a. They sent me some samples, but they they sent me a quite a big piece. Like it was probably that long and. There's actually enough to make a bit of a, a sheath for one of my blades, and so I got to use it again. And it is—it is, it is a really beautiful leather. Like, cuts so it cuts so nicely, um, but it's just, it's just so expensive. Yeah. So.
1: In a wallet with it, right?
0: Yeah, I made a. Yeah, I made one wallet. I made a wallet for my brother for his birthday because he saw some shell and he, shell wallets, and he really liked it. So I was like, well, I could make you one, and um. Yeah, then I had some to make
1: a sheet. Nice, right, so you, you got the big stamp on it, too, when you did it, right?
2: Yeah.
0: I don't Actually, I didn't upload it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, I got the... Uh, I was fortunate yeah, enough you got, to get you got
1: this. got one, one picture posted.
0: Yeah, the stamp. Yeah, that was cool to get. So... But yeah, I like the marble shell. That looks cool. Like, the different colours. And, and as, I was making, <laughs> as I was making the wallet, I was, like, cutting off pieces just to test, like, you know, how it would bevel and... <laughs> Just ah, yeah. you know, yeah. it was sort of learning as like because I only got like a little panel, so it was like a little square, and because the square was sort of it wasn't a perfect square, it was sort of you know angled right. and all that, and so my my patterns wouldn't fit on the square, like the my patterns wouldn't fit. So what I did, I traced, I traced the the pat like put the pattern down on a piece of paper, traced it, scanned it, put it onto the program that i use and then i sort of readjusted my pattern and sort of just put the squares in to try and fit it all in and sort of that's how i did it but um yeah it's fun to use i want to get some more but yeah like i said it's it's, it is really expensive well if you need if you need it if you need a project to work on i'm happy to send you that vertical minimalist wallet you can give that a go if you want to oh no,
1: i don't i avoid wallets because i get uh
0: I can send you the PDF
1: for free. I get a, I'm real bad about focusing in like to very precise work. That's why the watch straps are about the most I can do to like slow down and really work on it because I can slow down and it doesn't take me too long to do a watch strap. Mm -hmm. But when it's an item that takes me a a long time, like I get impatient and I want it to be, I want to finish it so I can see how good it's going to look and everything. I don't have patience for wallets. That's why I've never done wallets. Because every time I do one, you don't do wallets, and I no, no. I just do the closest thing to a wallet that I do. Let me see. Are these right here? What do you what do you carry? So this.
0: Oh yeah. So that has all your cards and all that in it.
1: Yeah, just a super simple. Like snap on the front, I make these and I carry one in each pocket. One is personal, the other one's business. <laughs> That's cool. And I mean, it's simple enough. I can hand stitch them really quick, and they look nice and they're hearty. And but like, like serious wallets, like any kind of like card slots and stuff like that, I've never, I've never really fooled with them. Besides that ladies' wallet that I just did a while back. Yeah, and it's got it's got a bunch of card slots and stuff. I'd I'd like to start doing more items like that, but you know, like I, I, I harp on it all the time, just having the time to do that kind of work. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't have the time anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, like a wallet now is, is after doing that, that bag, wallets are like a breeze in the park for me. That, like,
1: Have you been doing more bags?
0: No, I've, um, what have I been doing recently actually? Um, Nah, I haven't been doing bags at all, cause, just because you require so much material. Um, I do I do have a pattern for a for a duffel bag,
1: but... Um... That, I think that's going to be my next big project. I'd like to do another duffel bag. Yeah. And I've got some leather, I think, that'll look really nice. I just need to settle on the, the, the right pattern for it. And I want to make a backpack, too. Yeah. And I'm probably, probably just going to do Tanner's pattern have you got his yeah i got idea (laughs) i haven't used it yet but i got it i haven't i haven't either and i i think i kind of want to get it printed out like the scale print and kind of look at it and see how i can modify it a little bit yeah but uh, i have been wanting to do a backpack and i'd like to do another duffel bag
0: yeah one of the things i'm really excited about though is using rivets like everyone, like you know, you've used the rivets, the copper rivets. I have not used them, and oh, really, when I've seen them on YouTube, like people, they put it through, they smack it in, and then they like they cut it and they like peen it, and it's like so satisfying. And I haven't had an opportunity to use rivets yet, so I'm really looking forward to having. If exp- I can,
1: a piece of advice. Um, I guess this could go two ways. Well i I'll start with this way, say do do copper rivets first. Because the copper's really soft. Yeah. And it's as difficult to cut and peen down. And then after you get those figured out, get some brass ones. Yeah. Cause the brass is a lot harder than the copper. Like literally like the, the material. Yeah. Or start with brass <laughs> and get those figured out and when you start using copper It'll be like such a breeze because it's so soft to cut and easy to paint. Yeah. The copper is really pretty. I, I haven't used it in a long time because I bought a... Uh, I buy all my hardware now, like in bulk from Weaver. Yeah. So like like key rings, one-inch key rings, I, bu- I buy those a case at a time now from Weaver. And I think it's 6 4,000 or 6,000 keychains at a time, yeah. and like, so I started buying everything in bulk, and I, the last time I needed copper rivets, I bought one of their 25 pound boxes of copper rivets, that's <laughs> so many rivets, yeah. so many rivets, <laughs> so I won't be buying anything, any more rivets for for a while, but uh, I like, I like using them, they look good, Yeah, you, you can do them a couple different ways, like the way you dress them up when you paint them, and I don't know, and yeah. they're super. Humble. They'll outlast the leather for sure.
0: Yeah, well, I think I like the look
1: of the copper rivets better.
0: I'm actually looking at that backpack
1: now. <laughs> there have been some people have done some really cool versions of that. Yeah. I don't know. If, I know you follow him, so have you seen all the pictures? Yeah, they, that? they have.
0: I don't know what people. color. I don't know what color to do because um, I feel like maybe just a maybe just a dark brown, just something basic, so you can. Um. Yeah, nothing too loud, I think. And plus, I uh, plus I got that fi- that five millimeter. Um, I might just use for the sh- the leather for the straps and all that. So, I'm trying to just dis- trying to find what color. Yeah, I sort of use the the copper rivets. I got an and v- Oh, you need to get all the gear, don't you?
1: yeah and that, that's the thing with copper rivets you want to have a really good setter yeah it, it really makes a world of a difference because when i first the first few times i used copper rivets i had a really really bad setter that was really like cheap metal
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it bent up and it didn't do real well like it was supposed to and then uh later on i finally bought a set of like really nice setters like copper like rivet setters and it made a whole world of a difference. Yeah. A great book, if you don't have them, or you've never seen them, are the Al Stolman making cases.
0: I actually, I have seen some of them. Uh,
1: yeah, what are they? If you're familiar with them, like, I think you can you can buy a digital version that come in the PDF. Damn. Totally worth it. Now... He, he made the books, like, in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. So all the products in there are pretty outdated that he makes. So, like, for example, one of them is, like, a cassette player case or, like, a, like a bowling ball case and, like, some really, really outdated items they're making the cases for. But the books walk you through absolutely every single step. Yeah. And like all the little tricks and everything, and they're great books. Like I, I try to sit down and look through them ever so often, just to kind of remind myself on some techniques and things.
0: How do you spell his name? A L. It's L S T A Well, there it is. The Art of Making Cases, Volume
1: One. Yeah, there's, there's three of them. Volume One, Two, and Three. Mm-hmm. And I think one, one and two are really good. And then I think the third one is a lot of like guns, like cases, and like rifle scabbards and things like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Actually, I ask you in regards to sewing because is there some parts where you feel quite restricted with with sewing, like with a machine? Is it does it get a bit restrictive in some areas compared to like a hand stitched?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are some. I have to keep in mind like the way I'm constructing something to make sure it's going to be something I can get with the machine or if it's going to have to be hand stitched because there, I mean you can get yourself, you can design something where you won't be able to get the machine into and or like my specific machine. Mm-hmm. So like mine's a cylinder arm. So if I have like a lot of guys will use those shoe patchers. To get into like tricky spots because there's that one the one shoe patcher's got the where you can turn the direction the needle goes which allows you to kind of manipulate the way your your walking foot moves so you can be moving a piece of leather and like turn the head of the sewing machine while you're sewing uh and, and it was designed for shoe repair to be able to get inside a shoe and turn that head around it instead of having to manipulate the shoe different directions, if, if that kind of makes sense. I'm
0: trying, just... I'm trying to see what they look like.
1: Shoe patcher. And so we've got a real long cylinder arm on it and a real narrow. Some of them will have a hand crank on the side.
0: Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, uh on the end of it, the direction that it goes, you can turn that. So instead of moving your leather piece, you move the head. So like if I had something like that, that would open up a lot more possibility of some things that I can make as far as like getting into tricky spots and corners. But I mean my machine now for anything that I make now, it's, it works sufficiently that I don't have to worry about that
2: Yeah.
1: yet. I mean, there, there are some things that I've, that i'll be like kind of brainstorming and i'll think well i can't do that on the machine i would have to hand sew here here and here and then finish it out on the machine and if it's not too much i may follow through with it
2: yeah
0: i'll be interested to see what you come up with when you do your duffel bag
1: i'm probably when i do if i do don't hold me to it <laughs> now, i can't tell you when this is going to happen it's probably going to be a lot more similar to that second bag, more that that Louis Vuitton shape kind of yeah, long, yeah, yeah. I've always been really drawn to the the Louis Vuitton duffel bags. Oh
0: yeah, I remember you mentioned that in the first.
1: Yeah, I yeah. like that shape, and I've got some leather. I think that would look really, really lovely. Yeah, shaped out that maybe with some some two tone straps on it or something that would look pretty sharp.
0: I know. I agree with you. I like the I like the um. Yeah, that sort of classical look as well.
1: So Yeah. I've got to the point where I've gotten so used to having these big orders come in for the keychains and stuff, like those are paid for. Like I already know I'm gonna get my paycheck when I get these done and knocked out. Mm. So it's hard for me to get motivated anymore to like make a make a duffel bag that may sit on the shelf for a few weeks because I've yeah. gotten so used to I know when I make this, that I spend this time making it, I'm going to get paid for it versus I can spend this time and effort to do this. And it, I may end up having to sit on this product for a month or two months or like that green tote that I had made, you know, I held on to that thing. I mean, for like six months, you know, that, that sat on the shelf for a really long time and there was nothing wrong with it. It, it just was a very specific style and color that had to find the right person for it. And, um, well, I had add a wallet,
0: and I made this wallet ages ago. I can't even remember when I made it. it some time, probably sometime last year, perhaps. And it sat in my drawer for ages, like. And it wasn't until some girl came up and she said, "Oh, I like that. For, I want to get that for my dad's birthday." And it's like it sat in my drawer for so long, yeah. like. And it was just, you know, like a year later or like six months later, someone decided they wanted it. So,
1: you know, it's, <laughs> That's the problem too. With like being in this business, is like you gotta you gotta find your 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 customers. Yeah. So you gotta you have to be ready for that product to sit on the shelf for a little while. You know, the chances are it's probably gonna sit there for a little while. And
0: I mean, and that, and that's why I want to make the duffel bag for me. Like it's not for someone it's not there to sit, to sit for someone. It's, it's made like, right. it's actually, you feel like you're giving yourself something as opposed to someone. Right. this.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. That's the funniest thing though. Right. Like when you're in the leather business, what's the old saying? Like the, the cobbler's children go without shoes. Right. We're, we're supposed to be the last people that get anything from the leather goods. Yeah.
2: They're like,
1: yeah, I've been wearing the same ratty old belt for five years. Mm. <laughs> Like I always, it's almost, almost daily when I take my belt off, I think to myself, I should make myself a nice new belt, but I never will well, because I want to, I want to spend my time making something for somebody else that I'll get paid for.
0: Well, that's, that was actually the, this, literally the thing that happened to me because I, I made all these belts just to take, like take pictures of them and all that sort of stuff. And they sat there cause it's like, you know, you want to just for someone else, but it's like. Actually, I might have one of those belts. So I took one of the, the dark brown ones that I made and I've been wearing it, how it wears in, what it feels yeah. like. And same with my wallet that I've made. Like, I don't have my wallet on me. I'm just using, like, I could change it if I wanted to. But it's like, I want to try and keep this for as long as I can because I, you know, I don't want to be swapping it out constantly. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not like that either, man. Because, like, like, these little card wallets I've got, I just grabbed them to try out one time for kind of the same idea. And then I can't stop carrying them now because now it's also because it's starting to, they're starting to wear so nice. Yeah. Listen back out. I love it. So.
0: And it does look nice.
1: So you can see how dark it is. Yeah. You can see how, how shine it is. Like on the front and back when the light gets off of it.
0: What did you so use? Here's,
1: what leather did you use? Just, can you see the tan line? From yeah. where more the flat goes over oh. it, you know? It's so cool, right? Yeah, and like in a couple more years, like that whole thing's probably going to be nearly black. Yeah, from being used so much. Mm. And that that was just a natural vegetable tan.
0: Wow. Okay, I thought that was going to be like
1: a, a a dark brown. No, I mean that was that was like a a a, a Herman oak oak tan color. So not quite a bleached natural but just a little bit of tan color to it mm-hmm. when I made it and that's why I love veg tan so much I love how much it patinas and ages mm. with use yeah. and time and air yeah
0: I know I completely
1: agree with you and
0: it's such and a it's, fun leather to work with as well and
1: it's like a challenge too like how how much patina can I get on it like I've got a, a large pad folio like a legal pad book that I made like five years ago now, now. I've been carrying it daily for at least four years, three years, at least three years, I know, and it's so cool, because, like, there are these dark spots and shiny spots, like, on the edges from where I carry it, Yeah, just from, just from like, grabbing it off my desk, or, like, grabbing it out of the truck and walking into work, so, like, there, you can see where my hands carry it and hold it and, like, open it, because mm. there's, like spots and patina spots on them it's just cool to yeah i like i like old things right like old quality things like it's so cool to go to like an antique store and see like something a quality product that's got some age and wear to it i like those things but i like the idea of getting that thing new the quality item new and doing that aging to it yourself from using it. Yeah. Like I'd rather put the age to it myself rather than buy something that's been distressed to look like it. A- exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's
0: Exactly what you mean.
1: It's like the things, the things that I use and I carry, like my my everyday carry stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna spend a, maybe a lot of money on a pocket knife or a new pen or something but i'm going to do that because i know i'm going to use it every single day yeah. and it's going to be quality it's going to last and in 5 or 10 years it's going to look really cool mm-hmm. cuz you're going to be able to see where it's aged and and like the way i've used it you'll be able to tell from the way i held it and things like that mm-hmm. i like i like a patina that's been earned yeah i think it's cool to look at look at something and see you don't realize how much something gets used Mm. and like how hard an idol may work, like a belt. Right. Like probably not for you. You're, you're a like a skinny guy, but I'm, I'm a hefty guy. Right. So like my belt is working, my works pretty hard to keep my pants up most days, but it's kind of cool. Like, and I'm sure you can see it too. Like if you, if you take a belt off that you've been wearing for a while and laid out flat, you'll see like a contour of your body yeah. where the 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 belt has kind of conformed to like your waist and your sides and where where it lays on your body and it's it's really neat to see how quick that will happen
0: oh yeah that that oak bark belt that i wore it like it was instant pretty much like when i wore it
1: yeah, yeah. but it's, it's just neat to see like these products that you make like how hard they're actually working to do the job that they were made to do so and i think that's kind of like the part of the patina that i like right it's like this this product is working like it was made a particular way to serve a particular purpose and it's doing that and it's working really hard at doing it and like look look how beat up it is and it's still doing what it's supposed to do
2: yeah
1: it, it it's kind of a roundabout way to go to mm. to look at it. i think it's it, it's a cool way to look at a product to see how hard that product's working for you
2: yeah
0: And and it's it's the same, like, you know, with tools, you know, you have a tool that you've had for like 10 years and it's still hammering away. It's a,
1: yeah, it's like, I've got, I've got an old basket weave stamp, like the basket weave stamp. And I posted a little picture or video of it a while back and it's got, you know, the hatching, the hatch marks on it from the, from the lathe work when it was turned on a lathe and, and manufactured, you know, like the grip the metal grip on there that they cut into the, the metal. Isn't that what it's called? Hatching? Not hatching. Uh, anyways, it doesn't matter. Like, the texture, they, they cut into, like, a metal so you can grip it. And it's cool because this tool is so old. Like, I bought it used. Yeah. Or it, it came to me from somebody that had used it, you know, whoever, and there's a smooth spot in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, that tool is used so much that it was rubbed smooth the metal was from that texture and you know it's kind of cool to think that that tool has been around for I don't know 10 years 20 years 30 it's still a tool that's serving its purpose
0: yeah well I got got like an old school it's like a cast iron sewing machine like hand cranked and it's like that was built (laughs) to sew you know that wasn't built to last you know the warranty and then get a new one it's like that's
1: yeah yeah, I mean things aren't made to, things aren't built like they used to. Knurling, sorry, I just remembered it's it's called knurling. Okay. K- K-N-U-R-L-I-N-G. Okay, carry on. But yeah. yeah, tools, tools and products aren't made like they were used to. They're mm-hmm. not made to last a lifetime. They're made to last a warranty and then break and be replaced. It's a throw a throwaway mm-hmm. idea. And that's which is a.
0: And that's why we're all doing leather work, because we're trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. So thanks for coming on, Jesse. It's um, yeah, it's great to have you again. Thanks for having me, man. It's always fun. <laughs>